for these weak, conscious believers who had not found a complete freedom in Christ, they condemned their own conscience. And in their case, their faith in Jesus Christ had not yet freed them from the pagan worship of their past. Now, I know personally many believers who come to faith that they have positionally faith in Jesus Christ. They are saved of their sins, but they are still in bondage of the past works that actually drove them to Christ. And I'm not saying that they should continue in the uh, sinful deeds of the past, but they need to come to realization. You need to come to realization that there is freedom in Christ Jesus. If any man comes to Christ, he is free indeed. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Father, I thank you so much for the great work that you do in our lives. Lord, in a time like this, that there can be encouragement to the body of Christ. Lord, we are all across the United States doing things differently today because of this coronavirus. But it doesn't mean, Lord, that you cannot have an impact in our lives and in the lives of others. I pray, Lord, that during this time of reset, Lord, where uh, sports have been turned off, where theater and movies and concerts uh, are no longer being gathered, even when churches have closed their doors to people to come and worship in the congregation. Lord, I pray that during this downtime, you could perhaps, Lord, reset our, Lord, reset our lives, our priorities, that we would focus and tune in with you. And not just temporarily, Lord, that this could be a time of new beginning for our lives personally and for our nation. We pray in the name of Jesus, Amen. Well, today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and it says, Don't be a stumbling block. That's what I titled this message today. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that in chapters 1 through 6 of 1 Corinthians, Paul had addressed various issues that had come up to his attention, either by letter or personal contact. But we learn that in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul had actually written a previous letter to the Corinthians, and I believe that the Corinthians responded back to Paul's letters with questions of their own. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul began 
his responses to those questions actually dealt with the issues of marriage, singleness, and divorce. And here in chapter 8, Paul teaches the Corinthian believers that they should conduct themselves with the newfound knowledge that they had already obtained through their faith in Jesus Christ. So today's message, don't be a stumbling block. 1 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 13, and I broke it down into three points. Love versus knowledge, verses 1 through 3. Things offered to idols, verses 4 through 6. And you are not what you eat, verses 7 through 13. Let's go ahead and get into God's word. Now he actually gets into the issue now of eating connected with the idols. Back to the original question. Although the question is not written for us here in chapter 8, we can determine that the question had to do with the eating of meat or grain that had been sacrificed to idols. He begins, though, by dealing with maturity again. Paul understood that there are different levels of maturity. And thus, in these closing verses, he reminded the mature in Christ that they should not become stumbling blocks to others. I, I love this because um, I titled this section, You Are Not, all caps, what you eat. Because we have often heard people say, you are what you eat, you know. And for me, that would mean I'm, well, this morning it was biscuits and gravy. So <laughs> probably not the best meal, but it was awful tasty. You are not what you eat. In verse 7. Some are weak in knowledge. Paul acknowledged this. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now, eat it as if offered to an idol. Their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Not everyone has the knowledge that idols are nothing in this world and that there is only one God. They were believers who were still weak in their faith. Paul calls them their brothers. They were believers, though they came to faith in Jesus Christ, they were still dealing with and struggling with issues from their past life. It could be that before becoming Christians, many of these weak, conscious believers were familiar with the ritual sacrifice of these false gods. They may have participated in them. Like in Judaism, eating a portion of a sacrificial offering meant that you were having communion with God. And so, same is true in the pagan idol worship. To eat a portion of that meat meant that you were in fellowship with that God. Now, Paul said, those gods are nothing. They don't even exist. They're nothing. And so, how can you have fellowship with something that is nothing? That's what Paul was asking. But the weak Christians, those who had not come to that understanding yet, even though and they were no longer offering sacrifices to these idols. A lot of this meat was sold in their meat markets, in the marketplaces where the meat had first been offered to these idols and maybe it was the best deal on meat in town. Well, think about this. In Judaism, only the best animals were supposed to be sacrificed to God. So think about this, and I don't know if this was true in the pagan uh, worship as well, but did they also attempt to bring the best that they had when they worshiped their God? We know that both in 
paganism and Judaism, that's not always true. But it might have not only been the best priced meat in town, it may have been some of the best raised and best fed uh, meat in town as well. Kind of like buying that organic hamburger today versus something that you're not quite sure what has been put into that mix. Well, when they ate the meat, even though they hadn't offered the offering to God, they struggled with the fact knowing that it had been offered to a pagan God. It defiled their weak conscience. They believed that they were being joined again in communion with that idol. In Romans 14, 23, it says, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For what is not of from faith is sin. So Paul tells us this actually became sin to them. If they were to eat that meat that had been offered to an idol, and they believed that it was wrong to do so, that they actually were entering into communion with that idol, then it became sin to them. For these weak, conscious believers who had not found a complete freedom in Christ, they condemned their own conscience. They consumed this food or this drink. And in their case, their faith in Jesus Christ had not yet freed them from the pagan worship of their past. Now, I know personally many believers who come to faith that they have positionally faith in Jesus Christ. They are saved of their sins, but they are still in bondage of the past works that actually drove them to Christ. The bondage of their past life still uh, causes them to struggle and it becomes sin to them. And I'm not saying that they should continue in the uh, sinful deeds of the past, but they need to come to realization. You need to come to realization that there is freedom in Christ Jesus. The Son of Man sets us free. If any man comes to Christ, he is free indeed. What does free mean to you? Well, if somebody calls you up on the telephone or comes to your door and they're trying to uh, give you something and they say it's absolutely free, I get suspicious, don't you? But the love of Jesus Christ is different than any salesperson that we might have in this world. For the love of Jesus Christ frees us from all sin. Paul points out in verse 8 that food does not condemn us to God or commend us to God. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we any better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. Well, for these weak minded believers, Paul taught them that food does not condemn or commend us to God. Paul said, we neither are better nor worse because of the food that we eat. Now, obviously our diet can affect us physically, but Paul was not talking about physical issues here, but spiritual issues here. It does not commend us. It's actually a Greek word that refers to uh, causing someone to stand near or before. In other words, the food that we eat is not able to put us into the place or presence of God. Paul wanted to free the weak, conscious believers to consume the meat of the marketplaces without it defiling their minds. 
before God. He wanted them to know that it's okay. Paul wanted to free them, as did the uh, author of Hebrews. In Hebrews 13, 9, he said, Do not be carried about by the various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods, which have not profited those who have been occupied for them. Foods, they don't bring us closer or further away from God. Spiritually speaking, it doesn't matter the foods that we eat. Now, physically speaking, as I approach year number 60 here in 2020, I know that it does matter the foods that I eat just for the health of my body. But spiritually thinking, that is not true. It doesn't make us closer or further away from God. So Paul said to the mature believers, don't be a stumbling block. In verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in a temple, or an idol of a temple, will it not cause the conscience of him who is weak to be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? Here Paul gives us uh, an example of how someone who is spiritually strong could actually harm someone who is spiritually weak. So after encouraging the spiritually weak believers, Paul speaks a word to the spiritually mature, the spiritually strong believers, specifically those who understood that food that is sacrificed to idols would not defile them or their conscience before God. They had liberty. They had freedom. Verse 9 could actually read, but see to it that your freedom of choice does not become a cause of offense to those who are weak in the faith. They had freedom, and Paul said, make sure that in your freedom you don't become a stumbling block. You get it, right? A stumbling block? Something that is put in a path that makes you stumble? But in the New Testament, it not only means literally a stumbling stone, but in the New Testament, it can refer to something that causes another to sin. You don't want to do that. In Romans 14, 20, and, and I have to tell you that the latter half of Romans 14 is running very closely with the text of 1 Corinthians 8. So I'd encourage you to pick up your Bibles after this message and take a look at Romans 14 as well. In Romans 14, 20, he says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. In Romans 14, Paul takes this actually beyond the food that we eat to include drink. But I believe anything that could cause a brother or sister to stumble, to be offended, or weaken their faith. It's interesting that in verse 1, he talked about love edifies. Remember, way back in verse 1, I said that love edifies. And here in verse 10, he says that a weaker believer seeing a stronger brother eating in a, a temple of an idol could embolden the weaker brother to also eat, which would actually be damaging to his faith. Well, the love edified, the edified Greek word, and the 
a word translated as emboldened here, they're the same word, but it can be used in the positive or the negative. We either build up or we tear down. And here Paul says it emboldens them. It actually tears them down. It causes them to fall in their faith. And that is a danger that Paul is teaching us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. In verses 11 through 13, we finish up. In verses 11 and 12, if we sin against others, we sin against Christ. And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren, you wound their weak conscience and you sin against Christ. Although we may have certain freedoms in Christ, such as the food that we eat or the drink that we might partake of, we should live our lives in such a way that our freedoms are not weakening or destroying the faith of others, but rather building them up. The desire then is to build up others, not tear them down. If we wound a weaker brother or sisters by our freedom, we not only sin against that individual, but Paul says we sin against Christ as well. And Paul knew this truth well, because when he was uh, before he became a believer in Jesus Christ, when he was strong in Judaism, in Acts 9, verses 3 through 4, as he journeyed and came near Damascus, it tells us that a light suddenly shone all around him. And then he fell to the ground and heard the voice saying to him, Jesus saying to him, Saw, saw, why are you persecuting me? As Paul was traveling to Damascus, to persecute the Christians, to arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial, Jesus Christ appeared to Paul in a bright light and spoke to Paul, and he asked this question, Saw, saw, why are you persecuting me? And we find that when someone comes against the Lord's church, that Jesus takes it personally. And therefore, if we sin against a brother or sister of Christ, we also sin against Christ. He takes it personally. And so the conclusion of the whole matter in verse 13, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, Paul said, I will never eat again. I will never, he didn't say I'd never eat again. I misread that. I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. It was Paul's desire to build up other believers, not tear them down. Therefore, he said, I will personally restrain from these freedoms that I found in Jesus Christ if my freedoms in Christ would wound a brother or sister in Christ. Paul understood that to sin against a weak, conscious believer is also a sin against Christ. Again, Romans 14, 21, it is neither good to eat meat or drink wine, nor to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Well, the bottom line, the strong Christian who found freedom in Jesus to eat certain foods and drinks would sin against Jesus if their freedom caused a weaker brother or sister to fall. And although we have certain freedoms like the food we eat or that which we drink, we should live our lives in such a way that our freedoms are not destroying the faith of others, but actually building them up 
We should use the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ to build up others, not tear them down. Now, that is our scripture for today. And I was thinking as I was reading this in the day and age that we're living in, as I said, we're in day two for here in Illinois. We're in day two of a shelter in place order by our governor that is going to go all the way right now, all the way to April 7th at 5 p.m. So from 5 p.m. yesterday on Saturday, on uh, March 21st, all the way to April 7th at 5 p.m., shelter in place order. Our world has been turned upside down. I was talking to someone this week who told me that he was speaking with a psychologist and he said, people are going nuts right now. Can you imagine how frightening everything that we see happening in our world right now is? I mean, we're living in a, a time that we've never seen before. I've never in my 59 years seen something like happen like this before, where a whole state has went into a shelter in place order. At the most, there could be some kind of uh, accident, maybe some chemicals leak out that they cause an area of a community to shelter in place until they get that cleaned up. That's about as extreme as we have seen it here in the U.S. But we are living in different days. Now imagine those who don't know Jesus as their Savior. What hope do they have? They're looking to the government who's trying to figure out what to do to solve the issue that we're currently in. And yet Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Jesus Christ is our hope in both this life and on into eternity. And I pray that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, that you have given your heart to him. Maybe you are a Christian, but you have stepped away for a while. And the Lord today is calling you back. It's my prayer that you would hear the cry of our Savior to come home. If you are a Christian who have fallen, we call it being backslidden. Perhaps now, today, this morning, the Lord is calling you home. Would you return to him today? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, let me tell you, it can be as easy as ABC. All you have to do is acknowledge that there is a God and that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior of our world. For the B, all you have to do is believe in the work that Jesus Christ has already accomplished through the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. And see, you need to confess it. You need to confess it before others, first before God, but then tell others. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, or if you'd like more information about that, please email us at cclv.org. And we would love, well, that's our webpage, sorry about that, but you can, on our webpage, cclv.org, you can uh, email me or Pastor Kevin, or you can email us at cclv at comcast.net, cclv at comcast.net. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, day that you've given us, a very strange day for us indeed. Lord, I came into 
our church today to the radio station. And it's kind of strange, even for me on a Sunday morning to drive up to our church and not see one car in our parking lot. Lord, that is unusual on a Sunday indeed. But Lord, you are God over all things. And Lord, we know that you can work in the unusual circumstances of our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would work in a mighty and great way. Lord, that through the current situation that we are in right now, that you would use it, Lord, to start a revival that would have uh, repercussions across not only our nation, but the world. And we know, Lord, the whole world is in this situation together. Father, I pray that many people will be saved because of this virus that is causing many to die and to be sick. Lord, we pray that you would work through the difficult things, that it could be said, Lord, what Satan meant for evil, God meant it for good, that he could save many lives alive today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.